0: This is Ben the director White Christian Camp. Give him a warm welcome. We're excited to have him here today. And, uh, and I just wanted to Ben to, to speak to you guys a little bit and tell, tell you guys why we're excited about camp and, and everything that we need to know about that. Good morning,
1: Prairie Dale Christian Camp. many of you guys love White Mills Christian Camp? And we've been doing camp for a long time. How many of you have been to camp? Raise your hand real quick. Awesome. You guys love camp and uh, we are so appreciative. We're excited for another year. Uh, back in the table, we've got camp brochures and registrations, and we would love to get you signed up, get your kids signed up today. We've got programs from four years old through high school. If the first person that comes to me today and tells me when camp actually started, I'll give them a hoodie that says, I love White Mills Christian Camp. So we want to so They're going to get their phones out and start Googling, go. right? That's okay. So the first person that comes to me, we'll do that. Uh, but, yeah, we're excited, and we want to have you guys there. I want to say thank you to this church. Oh, the past couple of years have been crazy up and down, but you continue to support the camp. We so appreciate your support, but, you know, your your financial support, of course, but your prayers, but you've sent your people. Uh, Kathy Osmus is one of our board members. She comes every month to the camp, and we so appreciate that. So appreciate Mary uh, being a dean and uh, just your people coming to be involved with those programs. But most importantly, uh, we want every child uh, that is uh, camp age to come to camp this summer. So a lot of people have been registering getting excited to come back, and we think it's going to be an awesome, awesome year, and we look forward to seeing you. So come see us back in the uh, uh, area, and we've got the uh, registration. We'd love to see you guys this morning.
0: Thank That's you. Awesome. Thank you, Ben. And you know, we, we love we love white mills and so you know, we're we're really committed to that. So as you if you register your child, you know, elementary all the way up through high school, if you register through our church, we pay half of the, the, uh, the fees that it costs to go there. So we just want your kid or grandkid to go. It's a great experience, and, and they will not regret it. So I hope that you'll get signed up, and definitely you've got questions at see Ben out there in the lobby. Now, I just want to let you know a couple of things that we're really excited about coming up quickly. Just a few weeks from now is Easter Sunday. And, you know, it's a great day, but one of the things that I, you know, we're celebrate the resurrection of Christ, obviously, but this is one of those very special days of the year where you, I'm sure, have people in your life, family and friends that are not attending a church somewhere. This is a day that they, you invite them, there's a high probability that they'll show up and you never know how it might change their life. So I hope that you'll be praying and thinking about who you might want to invite to join you on Easter Sunday here uh, in just a, just a few weeks from now. And also, as we mentioned last week, and we're going to be signing up again today in the lobby, if you want to be part of the uh, it's 48-hour prayer vigil. It's two days, and uh, that's coming up in, in very soon on March 29th and 30th. And if you'd like to sign up to be a part of the prayer vigil for a time slot, there is a, you'll see one of the vertical TVs in the lobby and a big sign-up board there. Just fill in a time slot. We'd love to have you Be part of that. And if you're new to us, we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, but you're kind of say, man, I'm ready to meet somebody and, you know, I just want to find out a little bit more. There's a special card in the back of the seat. We call it a belong card. It looks like that. We'd love if you'd fill that out and bring it to the next steps area. We've got a gift for you. We really just want to say hi. We're not going to sell your information. We're not going to call and ask about your car's extended warranty. We just want to say hello and that's it. But uh, we're glad you're here. And I've been in this series for a few weeks. We're looking at the, the New Testament book of Mark and looking at the ministry of Christ. And we called it Revival is here because the, the purpose behind it is a lot of us are waiting for God to do something in our lives. We're like, man, we need we need revival. I hear people say, We need revival. We need revival. And 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 my my challenge to us is man, God has already done the work and he's doing the work. Maybe you just don't feel it. Maybe you're not, not plugged in or connected to it, but it's time to take a step because God is not sitting there just waiting and, and not doing anything. He's, he's doing plenty. We just many times aren't a part of it. And so today we're going to land in Mark chapter 9 and chapter 10. It's just one of these interesting places as we go through the book. There's places we just land and we say, well, we're going to just have to pause there for a minute and understand what's happening. So I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today. Back in the uh, 15th century, so you go back a few hundred years, there was a, a clergyman from England that c- first coined the phrase that children should be seen and not heard. We don't, we don't say that much anymore, but uh, you've probably all heard that phrase, but that's where it came from. It was a preacher. I knew it just, just had to be a preacher. A preacher back in England, that sounds like an English person too. Back in the 15th century, children should be seen and and not heard today we don't say it like that but you know those of you that are parents or you know if you got kids running around you know the feeling when you're trying to have an adult conversation with somebody and that little bundle of joy runs up to you and starts tugging on your sleeve and mom 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 mommy 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 and you just you just stand there and you're like Shh, it's okay, it's okay. And, and eventually though there's something in your brain that just breaks and you just turn and say what i'm having a conversation go play that's how we say it today. And like, then they start crying. I just want to show you this rock that I found. You know, whatever like, you feel bad, it's like it's a dried dog turd. It's not actually a rock. But you're you know, like, I'm a bad parent. You got all those feelings. It is, it is challenging. But it's, it's fascinating to me that throughout the New Testament, there, there, there are quite a few interactions that Jesus has with kids, and that's what we see here in the book of Mark. We, we just a few weeks ago looked at Jesus calming the storm. Great story. And then on the heels of that is where he, he heals. We talked last week. He heals this, this demon-possessed man. He's got these evil spirits inside of him and drives those out. And then right from there, he, he, there's this little girl that is, that is dying. By the time Jesus gets to her, she has died. And, and he walks in the house. The house is filled with people. And Jesus kicks everybody out of the house. He tells everybody, okay, give us some space here, except for her parents and three of his disciples. And he just gently reaches over and grabs her by the hand and, 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 and brings her back to life. It's just this tender moment. And I, and I love that, that he doesn't, he doesn't make a spectacle of her. It's not like, hey, everybody crowd around. Look what I'm getting ready to do. It's just, he, just, he just heals her. And then from there, he heals a little boy that was demon-possessed and was suffering And then afterwards, in Mark 9, it says that after these things happened, that Jesus and the disciples left the region, and they were traveling, and it said that they were traveling in secret, because he didn't want anyone to know where they were, because he wanted to be able to teach his disciples a little. He wanted some adult time, you know, he wanted to have some grown-up conversations with his guys. And this is what happens. It says that in verse 33 of Mark 9, that when they arrived at Capernaum, and they settled in a house so they just they've been traveling a lot they got to be exhausted they just settled down jesus asked his disciples what were you guys discussing out on the road when we were walking but they they didn't answer because they were guys being dudes they were arguing about which one of them was the greatest <laughs> that sounds like a guy conversation but he, he sat down and he, he called the 12 disciples over to him and he said whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of Of everyone else. Now, before I need before I read the next part to you, because there's a verse. uh, Let's go back to yeah. Before I read the next verse, uh, let me ask you a question. Do you ever? I know I know the answer is yes to this, so it's rhetorical. But you know those times in your life when you just want to know what does Jesus want me to do? You know what does He want me to do, and how do I know if He's happy? with me or you know what I'm doing and I think that's a big part of why we're all here hopefully hopefully we didn't just come to church to make some person happy but hopefully we came to church today because we want to know what what does God want me to do and I want to pray and I want to worship a little bit and I just I just want to be closer to the Lord and 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 ask him to guide me this week what does Jesus want us to do a few places in scripture where it's not a secret he tells us exactly here's what I want you to do and here's one of those places in verse 36 says that Jesus then put a little child among them and taking the child in his arms he said anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me that's a big statement He says, and anyone who welcomes me, welcomes not only me, but also my Father who sent me. That doesn't sound like children should be seen and not heard. It sounds a little bit different. I really believe that raising kids is one of the most important things that any of us will ever do. And maybe not all of us will raise kids. Some of us may not have the opportunity. Some of us may not want the opportunity. But regardless... It takes all of us to raise kids. And that's really the role of the church is to come in and and not not say, hey, you need to be doing it like this, not that, but to come along and to support parents and to be a resource and to to love and to help a child to grow and to teach them the ways of the Lord. And and you have to notice Jesus' reaction towards the presence of children. He says, if you welcome them... Like this, he scooped this kid up, scooped this kid up in his arms and, and, and hugged him and held him. He said, when you welcome a child like that, you're welcoming me. This is what I know about kids. So I've got three. They are noisy and they are messy. I mean, they're just like little tornadoes that live in my house. And they just, they bounce around. I mean, they're, it's, it's, they're like little drunk people. They really are. I mean, they just, they break stuff. And they don't realize how loud they're being. And they're really kind of annoying. And they're just oblivious to the fact that they're being very annoying right now. This is what they are like. But Jesus says, when you welcome them like this. He scooped his kid. When you do this, it's like you did it just for me. You welcomed me. Now, I heard this story secondhand. But many years ago at this church, some of you know this story. Some of you were here for this. But there was a group of leaders here. This is going back a few decades. That uh, were having a meeting. And someone had brought up uh, the fact that they said, you know, we got a lot of kids that are running around here. And it's kind of becoming a problem because things are getting damaged. You know, there's scuffs on walls and kids are running around and, and being crazy. And, and people were like, yeah, what are we going to do about that? It's, you know, it could get a little out of hand. What are we, we going to do about that? And there was one guy, his name is Jack Holton. He was an elder here at the time. He spoke up and he said, yeah, you know, kids, they can be little rascals, can't they? He said, but don't you just love... The, the sound of the pitter-patter of their little feet running around here. And it just totally changed the tone of the conversation. Everybody said, yeah. yeah. Boy, we're, we should, we're, we're blessed that God would give us the opportunity to love these kids. That's why we take children's ministry so seriously around here. Every so often, somebody will kind of ask me, say, what's, what's, uh, what's one of the biggest ministries in this church? You know, what do you think, you know, what do we, where do we put our focus? What's the most important thing? And, and I don't like to go there because I think they're all, they're all valid, you know, they're all important. But if you really were going really to back me in a corner and you were going to ask me, no, you're not leaving this room until you tell us what's the most important ministry here at Fairfield Christian Church, I would answer and say children's ministry. I just don't think there's any higher calling. And scripture supports me, it backs it up. I just don't think there's any higher calling than helping kids, students, young people come to, to know and understand who God is and what He's done for them and what He you know what He wants for their life. And some of you some of you have been involved in foster care or you've adopted a child. Some of you are grandparents that are raising your grandkids. You guys, you guys are the real heroes around here. You've already raised your own kids, and now at a moment you've had to step in. I mean, that's that is selfless. Some of you, some of you, God's calling you to to fostering right now. And and it's I know it seems terrifying and difficult, but when was the last time God called us to do something that was just easy? And it's not a call for all. Not all of us are, are called to that, but, but all of us have, have a place in that. There are other ways that we can help. I, I was thinking in my prayer time even this morning, You know, I know that there are couples in our church that are exploring the adoption process, but the number one thing that's keeping them from that right now is not a shortage of kids that need families, but the number one thing that's the barrier that's keeping them from adoption is because it is so expensive. So we don't have the funds. We just can't do that. And I thought, what wouldn't it be? What would it look like if, if, if we were a church? If we were people that there were folks that say, "Hey, listen, I, I know, I know that it's not my calling. It's not God has not called me at this moment in my life to adopt a child. But I've got the resources here. I'd like to make a donation to help other p- people to adopt to go through that process. Or, or what about those that say, you know, I, I, I'm not called to that, but I, I can help to babysit and give." These parents uh, evening off, so they you know have a little sanity. We, we can all be praying and supporting. Jesus said, Anyone who welcomes a child in this way, welcomes me. And the word that he used for the word welcome when he said that, when you welcome them like this, it's so it's the word decamai, and it's it's the same word that we're gonna see in a few minutes in Mark chapter 10, but it, it means to receive like unreservedly, like if you got a gift. So if somebody gives you a gift and you're like, whoa, you know, and you just grab on to that thing, or let's say you had a visitor to your house and you didn't know it, but they knock on the door and you open it. you're like, oh my goodness, get in here. You know, you come in this house, take off your coat, stay a while, what do you need, what can I get you? That's the same word, it's to receive like that, to, to welcome. He's saying, when you welcome a child like that, you welcomed me. What if in our church, if every, if every single parent, if every mom and dad felt the love of God and the support from our church, caring to them and ministering to their children? What if, I know I'm, I'm just going wild here, but what if there was a waiting list, To serve in the children's ministry at this church. Because there were so many people that were involved that we had to wait for some people to quit in order for you to to have a spot. What would that be like? What would that communicate to families and to our community that, man, we we welcome children here? We love these families. We're we're passionate about that. What if if a a teenage girl or, or some lady who had an untimely pregnancy? And felt ill-equipped to take care of their baby. That before, before they ran away from the church because they were afraid that, oh, I might be rejected. What if they said, boy, I'm so glad that I'm a part of a church family that will love me and embrace me and help me to find a great family for my child. Jesus said, when you welcome the child, you welcome me. We want to know, well, what, what does God want me to do? Here's one of those moments. And then right on the heels Right on, the, right on the back of this conversation, Jesus did something else that's really challenging. This is what, which is what I really want to dial in on today. This is not, this is not necessarily a, a parenting message. I hope you get that. This is, this is really going to be for all of us. And we're going to see. But in, in verse 13 of Mark chapter 10, it says that one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so that he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. They're trying to be too spiritual here. Uh, they're, you know they, they think that they've got to, they think that they know best. Some of us we we got to think about this and we think, well I know exactly what what God wants. And I'm going to speak for the Lord right now I'm like, whoa let's back it up. Just, just hold on, just pump the brakes. You remember this is going way back. I remember this quote I had to look it up because I couldn't remember who it was. This is like old like I don't know, old 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 movies. There's a guy named WC Field that had the line, Go away, kid. You bother me. That's, that's the disciples. You know? Go away, kid. You know, kids should be seen and not heard. These, these kids need to get away. And in verse 14, it says, when Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. And he said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. And here's a challenge. For the kingdom of God belongs to those that are like these children. He kind of, Jesus kind of spanked the disciples there. I'm sure the kids probably enjoyed watching the adults get spanked for a minute. You know, they get to, they get to watch this happening. But what we're getting, what we're getting ready to see here is Jesus is getting ready to clarify the moment. And we've got to let God do that for us. and, and, and sometimes it's, it's it's really really important that we pump the brakes, you know, because we run out ahead. I've got preconceived ideas. I already have already decided in my mind. I know how God would respond. I know what God wants in this moment. I know I'm speaking on behalf of Him, right? And 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 sometimes we've got to pause. And and we're set on something. Maybe we think we're being spiritual, and we've got to say, "Okay, Lord, I know that in this moment, I may be I may be on the wrong side of this issue." I'm not looking at this right. There's there's a strong possibility that I am not looking at this right. I have let my own biases, I've let my own political thoughts, I've let my own background kind of filter into this. And I I need to hold back here and we look to Jesus and we ask him to set us right. Let him clarify the moment. And that's what he's getting ready to do right here. He says in verse 15, I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive, decamai, anyone who doesn't, Welcome, receive, grab onto them. The kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Man, that verse, I know I've read it before. This week I was like, whoa. Look at that again. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. That's from Jesus. And then verse 16 says, Then He took the children in his arms, and he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. The way I see it, there's a couple of things that happen here. The first is the parents are bringing their kids to to Jesus because they wanted him him to bless them. The disciples didn't see the value in that. They thought this is a waste of time, but Jesus said, let them come. That's a good thing, and he scoops them up, and he blesses them. What this tells me is that proximity to Jesus must be a parent's priority proximity, you like that? There was like three Ps in that. I wanted to make it as memorable as possible. Proximity to Jesus has got to be a parent's priority. Jesus was a priority to these people. They just happened to bring their kids along. They wanted to go see Jesus. They wanted to be near him. Many times we would, you know, on second service today, we're going to have what we call child dedication. We could just as easily call it parent dedication. Because really, that's what it is, is parents are bringing their kids along. They say, we're asking Jesus to do the blessing. We're not doing anything super or magical. There's no special things. We're just coming before God, and we're bringing our kids, and we're bringing our grandkids, and sometimes we bring them kicking and screaming, and they may not want to come to church. I, you know, I get it. I, I've been there. It was me at one, at one time. But we bring them anyway, and we're doing that because we're asking God to move in their life. Because we we know that there's value in this. It's, It's not wasted. Godly parents make proximity to Jesus a priority. Not an afterthought. We want to be close. If you just drop your kids off, expect them to drop off eventually. Because they'll see it as optional. But when a kid sees mom and dad who love each other and they love them and they love the Lord. And they're making their relationship with God a real priority. Not just Sunday morning surfacy, but what they see at home. What we don't see, when you all go home and the doors are closed, they see that. They see what's happening. They see the words that are spoken and the actions. When When they see a real love and a pursuit of Christ, it builds a solid foundation. How often do we take the time to pray with our kids or to pray for our kids, even when they don't know that we're praying for them? How often do we ask God to help us be the best parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and whatever that we can possibly be, and that God will help us to to have wisdom as we we discipline our children and help them to to grow, to be responsible and and, and not immature, you know, but we want our biggest job is to make sure that these kids grow into healthy, mature, God-loving, Jesus-following adults, you know, I, I, you know me, I'm going just call things as I see them. Uh, and I, I think, this is my opinion, uh, but I think that a lot of parenting right now is being left to the schools. Uh, and my wife is a teacher, I see that. And my mother is a teacher for decades. Uh, so that's just been my perspective. I think a lot of parents have taken the, hey, I'm sending my kid off for seven, eight hours, it's your problem. You, you, you discipline these kids. You take care of these But then we've so tied the hands of the teachers. and They, they can't discipline the kids. They, they, they can't do much of anything. And so we as a society wonder why are there so many problems in our school system. And Newsflash, it's not the teacher's fault. It's not the principal's fault. And it's not even the school system's fault. I don't believe. But, but it's because our culture devalues strong parenting we just haven't prioritized it. We just want to we just want somebody else to deal with it. And we have become unwilling to recognize the fact and address it. We're just not turning immature boys into healthy men and immature girls into healthy women and then we're we're adding we've got all these issues anyway and and kids are so you know they're they're like they're like clay you, you mold them you know they they they're easily molded and shaped and when you, when you introduce things in life i mean some kids go through trauma i mean there's there's problems that they're they're not uh, equipped to deal with they don't know what to do and then we've not to mention we've got media and culture that is constantly bombarding them with a message that says well you're probably unhappy so maybe you should try this and we have got Gender confusion, sexual identity confusion, and we, and we add all that stuff, and, and these kids don't know who they are, and they don't know what to do, and, and we don't have any strong parents at home that are following Christ, and it's just it's a, it's a recipe for just a mess. We've got to stop confusing the kids. <laughs> got to love the kids. And we say, man, these kids need Jesus. Yes, they do. But first, they need parents that love Jesus. That are committed to bringing their children to Jesus. That's what he said. Bring them. Jesus said, bring them to me. Let them come to me. I, I want the kids. It's, I, I've often said, you know, sometimes I wish I just knew what God wants me to do. If I'm at a crossroads, you know, man, I wish God would send me a text or an email or a fax. i take a smoke signal, whatever. Just let me know. This is what I want you to do, Brandon. But you know, there's a lot he's already told me in his word. And one of those things, coming straight from the mouth of our Savior, he said, bring the children to me. How do we do that? I think it starts with praying for them, and then praying with them, and then teaching them and making sure that they're involved in a church where they can make friends and have fun and and grow their faith. I look back on my life, some of the best friendships I ever had. kids I went to church with because I was in youth group and guess what I didn't go to youth group because I wanted to go to youth group my parents made me they give me a choice and 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 some of the kids I literally I mean going from the church nursery we were in the we were having our diapers changed by the same old lady in the nursery all the way through elementary middle high school I literally grew up with these people they were like family it was a church it was it was who we were and if you want to be a strong parent you got to bring them to church you, can't, you, don't give them a, you don't give them a choice. I know that sounds old school, but I, I'm telling you, if I had had the choice when I was a kid, I wouldn't be here today. You just can't. You just can't. Kids, they're like clay. They've got to be molded. They need parents, strong parenting to say this is what's important. We're building a foundation. As I, as I look at my three kids, I, I want so many good things for them. I want so many good things for them. But I recognize my number one goal is I want them to know Jesus. And I want them to have a real relationship. And I, it's not about optics. It's not about how it looks. I know I'm the preacher and there's all jokes about preacher's kids and how wild they be, They can be. And I think, I don't know for sure, but I think that's because a preacher maybe puts too many expectations on his kids. And, and maybe it's not, you know, real, really deep. So my goal is that my kids know Jesus. Really know him and they know that dad loves them. If you want to be a strong parent, that's that's what it's all about, praying with them, teaching them. I can remember every one of my kids when they were babies, I remember changing their diapers, and if you've ever done this with any kid ever, you know, especially the little boys, you take that diaper off. Uh, you better be awake. Cause it's like a little fire hose. And I, 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 you know, they would just smile and giggle at me and send me a nice stream of urine all over. And, and, uh, and I heard another pastor say one time, you know, the baby will do that to you now. The baby will, will, will pee all over you. And if you don't raise them right when they get older, they will pee all over you and everybody else. Kids need strong boundaries rigorous environments that stretch them and help them to grow. And the church is one of those places. The church is one of those places that helps them to grow. And that's why it's so important that we as a church are ready. That's why we do everything that we can to make sure that when a child comes here, a, a student shows up here, we're ready to make sure that they can know about Jesus. And, and I'll tell you, part, the part of this passage that bothers me the most, verse 15, this applies to all of us, whether you got kids or not, whether you say, I don't want anything to do with a kid, well, you better you better wake up and look at verse fifteen. It says, I, Jesus says, "I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive, welcome, embrace, grab hold of, the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it." What does that mean? What does it mean when Jesus says, "I'm telling you, this is not this is not uh, you know up for interpretation. I'm telling you the truth right now. If you don't." Receive the kingdom of God like a child. You'll never enter it. When you were a kid, think think back. When you were a kid, somebody gave you a gift. And, you know, Christmas, birthday, whatever. They just hand it to you. Hey, look, I got you something. You remember when you were a little kid, you know, under 10. You remember how you reacted? Some of you think, yeah, I do. Some of you, I'm not sure. I don't remember. I know what you did because every kid does the same way. I've given enough gifts to enough kids to know that they light up. I mean, their eyes get this big and they just, they grab it, they rip it open, they giggle, they laugh, they play with the box, they play with the toy. You know, it's just good. There's excitement and there's joy and there's all this energy and they run over and they give you a hug because they're happy and they're thankful. And mom says, say thank you, say thank you. Oh yeah, yeah I'm oh, thank you, thank you, I'm sorry. You know, I mean, they're just so overwhelmed with, with joy. What happens when you give an adult a gift? Sometimes they get excited but what i found, more often than not, you give an adult a gift, they say, oh, you shouldn't have. And then they're thinking, oh, man, I hope the receipt's in there. I may take this back. I wish they wouldn't have bought this. I don't like this color. Or, you know, they say, oh, okay, gosh. And I'm thinking, well, what, what am I going to do? Now i got to get them something. You know, what's behind this? Is this, is this like a you, you scratch my back, I scratch your back kind of thing? What's, what's behind this? There's a lot more pressure. And when you think about salvation... Jesus died so we could be forgiven of sin and that we would have the gift of eternal life, eternal security. How do you receive that? How does that hit you? Hey, here's a gift from the Lord. What do you do with that? How do you, do you respond and say, well, I guess I kind of earned it. Thanks. I guess this is nice. Or, or do you respond with that childlike, just overwhelming sense of joy? There's a painting that I, I love. Maybe you've seen this before. It's called First Day in Heaven. When, when I think about what it looks like when we ask Jesus into our life and what it looks like when we're finally home, this is what I think about. I just love this picture. I think that's it. That's it. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it is the news of Jesus Christ something that lights us up or does it just seem kind of dull Another thing I know about kids they grow up to look like their parents and if they don't and they look like them physically but they definitely look like them in every other way you know with our actions and the way we live and I mean I can't not believe some of the mannerisms to this day that I have I'm like I I hear like, I'm saying this, but I hear my mother. Like, why is this coming out of my mouth right now? But you just, you just do. And it's one thing to have a childlike faith, but that faith shouldn't be childish. And once we've accepted Jesus, we're expected to grow. We don't just become a follower of Christ and then stay infants. We, we grow, we mature. And as we grow, we're looking more and more like Him. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, So all of us who've had that veil removed, we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we're changed into His glorious image. We're becoming more like Jesus. We're growing. We're, We're taking on the personality of Christ. And if we're not, then the growth is stunted. Something's wrong. Is your faith, is your faith, growing up enough to deal with adult life is it growing or are we just stuck because here's the reality if i can just be blunt with you the reality is every one of us we were born from the time we were infants we were born with this you call it a sinful nature if you want to call it it is i it is the propensity towards sin so if you if God says, "Hey, do this," everything within me says, "Ah, oh, but I really want to do that," you know. And Jesus says, "Don't do this." I'm like, "But it looks so shiny. I want to go after it." You know, I think that would make me happy. I think I know better. I, I want to try it. And we've we've all we, we're all there. That's what, how we were born. It's just this from the from the brokenness of our world, is that sin nature. It separates us from God. And it's not not that we've been good, but because God has been so good. And he became one of us in the person of Jesus. And then he, he lived without sin. So that he could be a perfect sacrifice. But he gave his life, if we're going to remember in just a couple of weeks. We remember when Jesus went to the cross. And he gave his life. He died. And on the third day, he rose again. So that anyone who calls on him, and that includes you. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, no matter what you've done, no matter how dark your world seems right now, no matter how lonely you feel or how isolated or how numb, think about all the things, all the barriers keeping us from drawing close to Christ just insert, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is, whatever, how bad you've been, when you call on the name of the Lord, your sins are forgiven. The chains, the shackles, they fall off. You are washed whiter than snow. You're made brand new. Let me tell you what happens in that moment is you're adopted into God's family. You, You become a child of God. And that's what the scripture reminds us of over and over and over again. You know, you're not your own, you're bought at a price. That we have a good God, a good father. And that's a a big problem for many of us. Is maybe if we look at our relationship with our earthly fathers, you know, there's no perfect dad out there. We've all got flaws. And it's just so easy for us to look at God through that lens. So I know God is good, but is he going to be angry at me? If I come back, if I come home now, is he going to accept me? Is he going to lecture me? What's he going to do? God is our good and perfect heavenly father that says, come home. You're my child. You're forgiven. You're made new. Restored. So if if you haven't experienced that, it's time to stop wandering all alone. It's time to stop running. and Turn to God, and you'll find a father that is ready to embrace you. As Jesus says, you know, bring the, the child to me. He scoops them up. Anyone who welcomes a child like this has welcomed him. So we've all got a part to play in this. I would love if we could sing this song one last time before we're dismissed. That they'll come to the altar. Because I think it's just something... Real meaningful about knowing that I can I can bring things to God and leave them there, and, and that's what this song means to me. As I think about just baggage, and I think about those past hurts, I just want to bring that right to the feet of Christ, and I just want to leave it there. So, so let, let's stand together. let me, let me pray, and we'll sing.